Hey there. Welcome to 7th Heaven, a lesbian recap. I'm Lindsay, and I'm joined by my co-host and real-life partner, Carling. We're diving into the 90s hit drama through today's lens. Get ready for our off-the-cuff commentary and peeling back the layers of the Camden family. We'll tackle everything from family rules, life lessons, and 90s fashion. Join us every week for a light-hearted queer perspective and a trip down memory lane. Whether you're a die-hard fan or new to the show, this recap is for you. So find us anywhere you get your podcasts at 7th Heaven, a lesbian recap. Throughout this time after I married him that I realized I'd made the biggest mistake of my life. Michelle. Hey, Carling. Things are looking up. We are in the same room. We're in person. My God. Woo woo. At my new house. Right, your new house. It's a bit echoey. We got to get some stuff on the walls. Yeah. But, and my voice is still not back. No. I don't sound my best. Is our mic plugged in? Yes, it is. The mic is plugged in. Perfect. We're doing good. How's your week going? I don't know. You've now been in this house for two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. I've been unpacking, putting things on the walls. Yeah, your parents were just here mounting a TV. They were. Yeah, your whole house is looking really great. Thank you. Yeah, I've been... I feel like a little bit gun-shy about putting things on the wall because I'm, in my bitter mind, I'm like, well, I'm just going to move in six months, so what's the point? But you did sign a year lease. I did sign a year lease. I really like this place. The landlord's really great, so I'm like, let's just put some things on the wall and just make it feel like home and... Yeah. Yeah. I noticed out back, one of your neighbors has a pool. Yes. One of your neighbors has a hot tub. Yes. I've seen a lot of kids in the neighborhood. Yeah. This is fantastic. It's looking good. And I think the kids next door are going to go to the same school my kids are going to next year. Yeah. One of them, I think, is Kate's age. So, yeah. It's That's amazing. Good. Yeah. I love this. How was your week? How are you feeling? Like, I'm still dealing with COVID. I get out of breath. Your mom was so funny. We had to carry something downstairs. And she's, yeah. Carling, do you need help? You're turning very red. <laughs> And I was like, yeah, Donna, I can't breathe. <laughs> like, if I walk too fast, if I get up and move around too quickly, I yeah. like, I can't breathe. Yeah, I'm sorry. Just want to get over it. But I had a hate crime committed against me. That's not what a hate crime is. <laughs> <laughs> it was somebody who hates dogs. Okay. All right. I and I that. feel personally attacked. Okay. Tell me your story. I'm going to set it up. Me and Lindsay walking our five dogs on leash. Yes. We walk the same route. I would argue to say I am one of, if not the most, responsible pet owner. Okay. And Were you wearing the most responsible pet owner t-shirt? No, but I do have a sweater that says don't mess with my dogs. And I wish I had been wearing it. Yeah. So we're walking the dogs and there's lots of people out. And sometimes people stop and they'll make funny comments like, whoa, this is quite the crew. Do they do that thing where like when I'm out with my kids, they're like, oh, you got your hands full. Yeah, literally all the time. (laughs) They're like, whoa, are these all yours? I'm like, yes, they are. So we're like doing our thing and we're walking. But we see this man... So we're walking down the sidewalk. We're on a sidewalk. And to our left are a bunch of houses. Across the street is a row of houses with no sidewalk. Some neighborhoods have this where there's only a sidewalk on on one side. So we're on the sidewalk side. And a little ways down, we see this man come out of his house. It probably isn't even... It's obvious he was a white old man. Okay. And he... That's one point against you right there. Well... So he comes out onto his lawn, and we're across the street on the sidewalk. Yes. We are not near his property. Henry starts pooping. Okay. Very inappropriate. I, this is what dogs do. <laughs> they poop. So he's like just off the sidewalk on a little strip of grass, pooping. Mm-hmm. Lindsay says, oh, you've got the dog, the poop bags. And yeah. I said, yep. So I start digging one out of my pocket. And then we hear this man say, what gives you the right? What makes you think you can just let your dog poop anywhere they want? And we were like, like, where do you, where, where do you, should he go? Yeah. What, what should we do here then? Yeah. And he's, you can't just let your dog poop anyone, all this property. This is somebody's property. Yeah, not his property. Yeah. And I was like, it's actually a bylaw. A dog can defecate anywhere. Yeah. As long as the owner picks it up. Yeah. All remnants of it. Yeah. As I, And I stood there with a poo bag on my hand. Yeah. Ready to do just that. He was filming us. Yeah. This is the thing I missed. So when we looked up, he had his camera, his phone, and he's filming us. 
So naturally, I get my phone out and yeah. I start filming him. Yeah. And then he's, you can't just let your dog go anywhere. And we're like, sir, this is, it is literally a bylaw. Yeah. We're not, I didn't let him into your backyard and yeah. then run away and leave it. It's not on your front step. I didn't, or yeah. even on your lawn. I didn't even let him go. Like he was literally one foot off of the sidewalk onto this grass. Yeah. So we try saying it's a bylaw and now I'm filming him. And then he just turns around and storms in the house. What a jerk face. And I just feel... Like, rude. First of all. Yeah. How dare you? Are you the poop monitor of the neighborhood? Yeah. And if I wasn't picking it up, like, for sure, call me out. I have seen people not pick up their dog poo and I've offered them a poo bag. Not only that, but if that was my neighbor and you, your dog was pooping on my lawn and my neighbor felt like they needed to say something, I'd be like, shut up. Yeah. They're fine. Yeah. You're not the... The poo police. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So we got home, printed the city bylaw. Mm Mm-hmm highlighted the exact wording Mm -hmm. that states we can legally let our dogs poop anywhere on anybody's open property as long as we pick it up. Yeah. And we mailed it to him. And what did you put on the outside of the envelope? Lindsay may or may not have drawn a poop emoji. (laughs) We sent it with no return address. We used a little Christmas stamp and we mailed it. Yeah. Because we're going to drop it off and then we're like, no, because if he sees us. like, Yeah, yeah, no, mail it. But sir, you're in the wrong here. Absolutely. Go back in your house, watch your stories and shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he was just so angry and I just felt, yeah, like we are, and we, there are some neighbors that have those little like decorative signs that say no poop zone or please don't pee on my petunias right 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 we make a conceited effort to like not let our dogs go on that grass yeah we are very responsible yeah. we don't and also should we let him poop on the concrete sidewalk because yeah. that's going to be a lot messier yeah and we're not going to be able to pick it all up and someone is going to walk over it yeah and that's gross yeah or should we walk around with some sort of contraption and Attached as to the butt yeah or like and then we like dive in and yeah. get it as it falls yeah. but no. he couldn't give us an no, answer because he's an idiot <sighs> i got real fired up about it yeah that's really frustrating but that's really the most exciting thing that's happened to me all week. The only thing that happened to me was that I had to go to urgent care again with my oldest. Oh, yeah. Terrible impulses and punched a desk. Yeah. Like being 13 is hard, full stop. Yeah. But being 13, when you're like trying to figure yourself out and like your dad died, and yeah. there's a lot going on here. Mm-hmm. Everyone at work, is, they, they just need a punching bag in their room. I'm like, no, they need a portable punching bag. <laughs> like one in their locker or something. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, didn't A.C. Slater have one in his locker? Probably. Did open it? I, think I just visualized Yeah, saved him, by like, the bell, punching, yeah. A punching bag in his locker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that was fun. But Oh, man. It's interesting. It's interesting to watch a triage process like in hmm. the ER, like in urgent care. Because we got there and there were like quite a few people waiting and there were quite a few people in front of us. It was like two and a half hour wait. But I didn't think that we would get seen very quickly because it's just potential broken hand. It was not life threatening. It's like it ended up being a hairline fracture. So I was like, oh, we'll be here forever. But we were called before some people like in the waiting room. So it's interesting. It's like, are you people just coming in because you have a sniffles or like a little cough or I really think especially with urgent care, they look at how quickly they can get somebody through. Maybe. And if you are complaining that you might have broken your hand, they know you're going to need x-rays so yeah. they can get you in. The doctor sends you for x-rays. Yeah. No, that's and true. And while you're getting x-rays, they can see. I think it's a balancing act. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's about it. Yeah, we don't have a lot else to talk about. We have a Patreon this week. Oh, yeah. I'm super stoked about it. Tell me about it. You're just like everybody else listening right now. So I got to talk to our friend Julie. She has a podcast called The Resting Bitch Face Pod. Mm -hmm. And we've interviewed her a couple of times on our Patreon about some like crazy stories she's been through. Yeah. And she just recently had weight loss surgery. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And she had just a really great experience. Mm -hmm. And it's changed her whole outlook on her body image and her struggles with eating and... Yeah. All the stuff. And I just thought it was really interesting because we also interviewed somebody on our main feed last year who back in the 80s had experimental weight loss surgery and it did not go well. And then her and I got talking about maybe a little collaboration 
that we might do. Maybe we'll make an extra tier on our Patreon. Mm -hmm. And once a month, we will get together with a bunch of other podcasters and actually video record over wine. We'll bring up like different topics, like those Reddit articles that are like, am I the asshole? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I love that. I think that's so such a good idea. We could even have people like write in yeah. too with like anonymous questions or something like that. I think that would be awesome. That means that I'm going to have to start liking wine, isn't it? No, we could just call it w- Wet Wednesdays. Oh. Wet, I don't know, wet, wet Your Whistle Wednesdays? That's better. Wet Your Whistles. Wet Wednesdays. <laughs> Yikes. No, that's for our only fans. I do, oh, yes. That yeah. is, I do rosé, so I could probably rosé all day. Rosé all day? I could. <laughs> yeah, I think it could be really fun. And I think so, too. Yeah. We also are going to be adding an extra um, bonus. So, okay, we should back up the truck. What the heck is a Patreon? OMG. It is a subscription service where you get extra content from us. How much extra content? So much. Like how many a month? Like two. Two? <laughs> two extra episodes two a month? Two extra episodes. So you get one a week on our regular feed and two a month on our Patreon. Well, that's wild. That's too much. Like I how much does stop. this cost? This sounds too expensive. Five freaking dollars whoa or eight dollars if you want a little extra yeah and on this x so you can pay five dollars and you get two i say ad free episodes it's not like we have ads but we don't talk about the patreon on it so there we go it is we're not gonna harass you about joining our patreon because you're already on you're already there (laughs) at eight dollars you get two entries into every draw that we do Uh you get the episodes one or two days early depending on how on top of things i am yes and we're gonna be adding a virtual drinks like hangout hangout virtual hangout quarterly yeah so if you've ever wanted to just like chit chat with us over google meet or skype or whatever some other I don't know yeah I don't know something zoom zoom then that's gonna be where it's at I love that and we should do like uh we could do little things like fun games or like trivia or something like that yeah I love this I do I do too I love that journey for us (laughs) yeah and for anybody who's gonna join (laughs) absolutely anyway let's get on with today's episode let's it is wild it is titled after one of my favorite shows who the bleep did I marry yes what would you do if you were married to somebody and you found out that there was a chance that they murdered somebody? I would call Dateline and I would ask to speak to Keith Morrison <gasps> immediately so that yes. I could have him interview me. Yeah. That would be number one. Yeah. Number two, I'd call the police. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel... Yeah, that's tricky. I'm going to ask you after the episode in our outro if you think that he did it or not. Yeah. I'm, I Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Let's All right. get into it. Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye. Hello, Julie. Hey, how are y'all? We're good. How are you? I'm good this morning. Happy Mother's Day. Yeah, happy Mother's Day. We booked this recording and then we're like, oh shoot, it's Mother's Day. So we really appreciate you taking the time to chat with us today. No problem. How's your day going? Have you gotten spoiled or has anybody acknowledged Mother's Day for you? Yes. My two youngest that still live at home, ages 10 and 12, they got me some mixing bowls, some cute little baskets, some drawings and brought me muffins and coffee in bed. It was great. Oh, uh-huh. that's so sweet. Yeah, that's really nice. I got woken up at about 6 a.m. with a blaring tablet in my ear. <laughs> Tried to go back to sleep and was like woken up multiple different times for multiple different reasons. Oh, goodness. No. Oh, mother, motherhood's a gift. It motherhood is. is a gift. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to say I don't miss those days. <laughs> Yeah. We are super excited to chat with you. We started talking forever ago when we found you online and your story. You had given it some time, given it some thought. And then when you were ready, you reached out and we were so stoked to hear from you. So why don't we have you introduce yourself? Maybe tell us a little bit about you and your family, and then we'll get into the topic at hand. All right. Sounds good. I am 45 years old. I live in Georgia. I'm the mother of five beautiful kids. Ages ranging from 26 all the way down till 10. I have one granddaughter that's five. I've been married to my current husband. We've been together seven years, but we've only been married for two. He's been a huge blessing because my life has been a complete roller coaster. I don't even think I grew up until I was 40. And we're here today talking about my ex-husband and what I went through with that. And I got on TikTok and I did those videos. And because my older kids were 
like get your story out there tell it and I did and I kind of retracted back a little bit because I got a lot of backlash his family and trying to make me feel bad about it and my older kids were like mom this is your story to tell don't worry about what other people think that's where I'm at with that wow the video originally that we saw was about how you married a murderer basically yes it sounds like the plot to that tv show who the bleep did I marry mm-hmm. yes <laughs> that's what it felt like yeah so I don't know where's the best place to start maybe how you guys met and before I give that let's just remember I was in my 20s when we met oh we don't make 20s. yeah we don't make any good choices in our 20s I think I worked in a convenience store as a second job I've done home health off and on for 20 years before I left and I would work convenience store on the weekends and he came in with some of his friends you could tell he had been drinking they had all been drinking and most guys in their early 20s what do they do on the weekends when they're single they go out they party they drink so I was used to seeing that where I worked and he kept coming in he would make comments to me and stuff and I would ignore him and one day he came in I usually worked third and so this day I had to do a turnaround shift I worked third then had to come back in for second shift and he happened to come in and he asked for my phone number and I told him I didn't have a phone and this is right when cell phones were getting really popular 2004 and he was like I saw you talking on a cell phone and so I felt stupid and I had a long line of people behind him so I just <laughs> jotted my number down real quick and I was like here go and he called and we met up and talked and He seemed like a really great guy. One thing that really stuck with me was that night he said, I don't know, there's just something about you. I just want to take care of you for the rest of your life. And going through a bad relationship before and having insecurities, women fall for stuff like that. And I fell hard. So that's how we met. And we were pretty much inseparable every day. He moved in after three weeks. We got married after 26 days. Wow. Whoa. And was your family supportive? My father was definitely like, this is too fast. My mom is probably my number one fan, even though I have given her grief my whole entire (laughs) life. And she tries to be supportive no matter what I decide to do. Occasionally she will voice her opinion. But at the time she just kept saying, you just seem really happy. If this is what works for you, do it. And his family was more of the ones that were going, what's going on? This is way too quick. And it was things I started finding out throughout this time after I married him that I realized I'd made the biggest mistake of my life. And did you have you said how old was he he was 25 when we married and I was 27 okay I am now 45 (laughs) wow and what were some of the things that started happening where you were like oh no okay so we got married at the courthouse the day we got married and we decided to have a reception so our families could get together two months later so we did that it was fun and at the reception he got really intoxicated and was just doing off the wall stuff and I was like it was dinging on me what did I do and then during this time getting to know his family because most of his family came I found out that he was in a relationship when he met me oh it was his son's his son's mother and we had that conversation he told me that she had moved off to California and that his mom and her mom helped take care of his son and then he got him on the weekends and I came to find out later she was on vacation in California visiting his family and came home to find out he was with me oh Oh, no no. yeah that was devastating and those thoughts keep going through your head what did I do yeah what did I do Mm -hmm. he cheated not too long after that and the drinking just kept going and kept progressing I find that so interesting I married a total sociopath and that's what they do like they're so charming and they find somebody who's so vulnerable and I was insecure mid-20s everybody was getting married and he just picked everything that I needed in a person and was that and moved the relationship along so fast that by the time I started to see red flags I was like like we already lived together Together, so I'll forgive this. We'll work through it. And it just snowballs. Yes, it does. Yes. My main thing that kept sticking through my head is because I had already been divorced once. And I was like, I don't want to be like my parents because both my parents have been mar- married and divorced several times. And I'm like, I'm going to make this marriage work one way or another. I do not want another divorce. And right. I stayed married to him for almost, I think it was 12 or 13 years. 
Wow. Did you have any inkling on his family? What you were in for? Did they warn you about anything? Well, ironically enough, I knew one of his sisters and I did not know that was his sister. I grew up off and on in a small town because my mom and stepdad were military. So I split time between my real father and my mom and my stepfather. And I had went to school seventh, eighth, grade and ninth and 10th with one of his sisters and we were really close friends and I hadn't seen her in years because she had gotten married and moved away and I had the kids one day we were going to the movies and we stopped at Dollar General to grab some snacks and I walked in and I saw her and I was like oh my goodness and we just had a quick conversation catching up and everything and she was asking me how I was doing and I was telling her that I just got married and I had moved to this small town that was probably about 30 minutes from the town that we had lived in. She was like, that's wild. My brother just got married and moved to that same town. And I was like, I didn't know you had a brother. And she was like, yeah, she's, he was a few years younger than me. And she said, I couldn't stand him. So she's not many of my friends knew that I had a brother. Oh, and wow. She told me his name and I was like, you've got to be kidding. That's who I just married. Oh, oh my and God. She, and she flat out said, she was like, you just made the biggest mistake of your life. I was like, what do you mean by that? And she started telling me about the ex, which by then I'd found out that she really didn't live in California. And then she told me that he drank a lot and stayed in trouble a lot. And by this time I had only seen it maybe twice. And it's crazy because she acted like she could not stand her brother most of our marriage. But when he ended up going to jail for all of that, she all of a sudden had his back and her brother would never. Oh, oh wow. And you had mentioned kids. Did you guys have kids together or did you each have kids from your first relationships? We both had kids from our first relationship. I was wild when I was younger. So I had two children by two different guys. My oldest daughter, she lived with me full time and my son went to live with his father when he had moved back here from Florida so they could spend time together and bond and everything. And he came down for the holidays and he was there every weekend and that kind of stuff. But he adopted my oldest daughter a few more years down the line. And it was because he loved her. He treated her like a daughter and I wanted her and I to have the same last name because I didn't want her to feel like the third wheel and left out because her name was different. And her biological father was not a father to her at all. And then he had one child and that child was from the relationship that he was in before he met me. What was he like as a dad? Actually, for the most part with my daughter, he was a great dad to her. He was never bad to the kids at all. He was a good father to his son as well. It's just, he didn't spend a whole lot of time because she would hold grudges and she would get mad. And she she was the type that if she's mad at you, you can't see the child kind of thing. Right. It was a weird relationship with her as well, because she wanted me right there as her best friend. And if she and I had any kind of fallen out or had any problems, I wasn't allowed to see my stepson. And I was very close to my stepson because I came into his life right when he turned three. Oh. And, and I had a better relationship with him than he did with his dad because as the story goes on you'll find out his dad was in and out of jail a lot for drinking I was very close to him and I played that part as her friend and did what she wanted to for the sacrifice of a child because I love that child like I loved my own Aww. she was there for every family function we ever had through my whole entire marriage wow. it was fun yeah <laughs> <laughs> and so when did things start to go from like bad to worse so he was drinking he was cheating yes we we were married uh, probably two and a half months. I think it was like the weekend or two weekends after our reception that we had. He cheated the first time. He worked for his family. His family was into computer stuff. And I don't know if y'all know this, there's a lot of gold in computers and they would break oh. down these huge computer systems that like came out of Navy ships and they're huge tall towers. And there's a lot of money in that. And so he had opportunity to get away with a lot of stuff because he's working for, with family. And he got drunk at work one day and she showed up and I think she was fussing about child support or something. And he ended up going off with her and spent the night with her. Oh. And I was devastated and I wanna, wanted to end it there. And his sister, not the one that I knew, but his other sister, she was like, she was like, you have every right to divorce him. Matter of fact, if I was in your shoes, I probably would. But she did that out of spot. You know, when he was intoxicated, she said, don't let that B word win. Oh. And I was like, hmm, we'll see. And so the next day I met up with him and of course she showed up too. And it was at his mother's house. And I was like, I think we should just end this and everything. And he was like, can we go somewhere and talk just to talk for a minute? And before we even pulled out of the driveway, he was like, I'm so sorry. I made the biggest mistake of my life. 
I was drinking. That's no excuse. But she was telling me I would never see my son again. And just on and on. He was like, I can't stand her. I love you. And, and so I was like, okay, this is your one chance. And then we're done. If you do it again. Guys are the worst. Yeah. And I was stupid and just, I just kept on and kept doing it. Well, and especially because like you said, you didn't want to be that statistic of getting another divorce. And right. I think because we want that, we overlook so much. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. And that time that he cheated or was he unfaithful again? Oh yes. He was unfaithful again, several times throughout our marriage. And once it happened a couple of more times, then I was like, okay, if you're going to do it, I'm going to do it too. Kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. But there was a lot of times we didn't live in the same household as well. I would get mad at him and get tired of the drinking because it was so much. He would go to jail for DUIs. He would go to jail for violation of probation because he got in trouble for public drinking. And it was just something constant. He would go to jail for six months at a time, three months at a time. We were married for almost 12 or 13 years. And I kid you not, 75 to 80% of that time, I think he was in jail. Wow. Wow. Did you visit him in jail? Oh yeah, I did. I was there for every visit. I answered every phone call and it was like having a husband that worked out of town. (laughs) When they finally get out, you're excited to see them, but you get to do your own thing most of the time. And I wonder if that's why I stayed married for so long because he wasn't home. Yeah, that's true. Wow. I guess he never learned his lesson in terms of the drinking and driving. No. Did he lose his job with his family or did they just keep hiring him back? Eventually he did lose his job with his family because they just got tired of it. But he hasn't, he had an uncle, I should say, he passed away a few years ago. And this uncle was very good to me. He was like a father to me. And he was the same to my husband as well. He supported a lot of the family financially. I don't have a huge understanding about that. I just know that my husband had an allowance every single week, whether he was working or not. We were always financially taken care of. And when my husband was incarcerated, that money was given to me to get the bills paid and stuff, which I would work, of course, but I, we never went without ever because of his uncle. He had bought me cars and he just made sure that I was taken care of. I owe a lot to him. And when he passed away, it broke my heart. But of course the family didn't want me there. What was his family like with all these incarcerations? Were they just like, oh, that's him. Or was that something that other people in his family experienced as well? Nobody visited him in jail except for me and his mom. Of course, you know how moms are with their sons. They do no wrong. His family was forgiving for the most part. And most of the time, yeah, it's just him, yada, yada, yada. And his sisters would back me. Maybe I don't know why you stay married to him or you should find somebody else and stuff. But in the end, when I finally did, they got upset about it and we'll get to that eventually but one sister she both sisters actually have called the police on him several times for him showing out at their houses and one sister had bought a new house and moved and didn't even want him knowing the address because he would just do the most ridiculous thing and when he drank he could be violent and he just did wild I don't know when I think back on it and I tell these stories and uh you know, and talk about it. I just think back to how ridiculous I must look because I did stay for so long. And and then I think back and I look and I'm like, what was wrong with you? Why didn't you run? Yeah. Yeah. But like when you're in it, you just, I don't know, like somehow you just stay in it. It's so crazy. Because like, if your friend came to you and was like, oh, my husband has a drinking problem and he's in jail all the time. And you would tell that friend to get out. Right. But when it's you, it's like you said, it's just, you excuse it or you make up reasons why to stay. You just don't see it from an outside perspective. Yeah. And I think you get used to living in the drama and the chaos. Yeah. Yeah. It starts to feel comfortable. Yeah. Which is a scary thing. My relationship now is a hundred percent different and it's so quiet and it's peaceful and it's content and it's so different and it's great. It is great. It took me a long time to adjust. Yeah. It's so funny how safe seems boring when you've been in such a tumultuous relationship. What happens next? How do you go from DUIs and being a low life to murdering? Let me backtrack because this will make you understand a little better. The murder that happened before we were together, and this should have been a big eye opener for me, but it was not because I actually listened to him. And not too long after we got married, I was at work and one of my good friends came in that I had not seen in a couple of years. And she's, what are you doing now? And I told her I was married and she asked to who and her eyes got really big. And she said, that's that guy that was the suspect in that murder, that girl at Walmart. 
And I was like, what? And she said, yeah, you don't remember me telling you about that a long time ago? And I'm like, no. <laughs> so she tells me that. And as soon as I got off work and I got a hold of him, I was like, what is this? Yeah. And he was like, no, that gave me a bad reputation. I was called in for questioning. Everybody says I look like the sketch. He was like, I do not, but I thought it was funny. So I just went along with it and said, yeah, I did it. So he said, oh. it funny. He was like, so that's all that was. And it gave me a bad reputation and I don't want to talk about it. And I was like, okay. So I tell my sister about it because my sister is pretty much my best friend throughout my whole life. We get caught up in our own lives and we might not talk for a little bit, but my sister has my back all the time. But this time I was at her house a lot and I was telling her about it. And she was like, call the police station and ask. And I was like, okay, good idea. So I call and I asked to speak to an investigator. And of course they want to know why. And I tell them that I'm married to this guy that was a suspect in the murder. And I was like, I want to know why he was a suspect. I'm married to him. I have two kids and I need to know what the deal is. Yeah. And so they were like, um, well, can I get your phone number? I want to call you back and we'll discuss it. And I never heard anything else from it. And so I was like, okay, so maybe it was nothing because I didn't hear anything else. Yeah. And this was in 2004 when we got married and it wasn't brought back up until 2006 when investigators did come talk to me and wanted to ask me questions. 2006 was a very bad year for me. He, his drinking was very heavy. We had just moved into a new house because we would get evicted a lot because of his drinking and we moved a lot. And he was on hit one of his binges. We had split up. He left us right before Christmas. So I was distraught about that. I was working by myself, raising the kids and an investigator had gotten in touch with me and wanted to know, they actually showed up at my work and wanted to know if they could talk to me and ask me a few questions. Oh. And I was like, yeah, sure. This is where his family starts to hate me for a little while. They call me in and, you know, they want to ask me questions and what he's ever said about it. They wanted to know what our life was like and what our sex life was like. Just questions like that. They wanted to know if I would take a recording device and start recording our phone calls when I talked to him. Oh my God. Yes. And then one night they had me meet him at a restaurant because we were split up at this time, but he kept calling, wanting me to meet up with him. And he was always intoxicated when he wanted to meet up with me. And so one night he had called me and asked to meet up with me and I let the investigators know. And I just thought this was the weirdest thing ever. And not the meeting up, but what happens. And I go to meet him. They put a recorder in my purse and they're like, just keep it close to you so we can get everything and stuff. And I'm like, okay. And the investigators were in the restaurant because at this time they had me convinced I was married to a murderer. And I'm like, if this was my daughter, sister, or whatever, I would want to know the truth. Yeah. And I'm a nervous wreck and I'm sitting there. And so I go meet him at Longhorn. He comes up to the car. He gets in the car with me for a minute. And he was like, so today... I was going down the road and got pulled over and he doesn't even have driver's license. So he must've been with somebody else. He said, and they asked me to get out of the car and started asking me questions about that murder. And I was like, what? And he was like, yeah. And so we get out of the car, we go in the restaurant, we're sitting there and we're sitting at the bar in front of all these people. And he starts going into this elaborate story of what happened. And he tells me that he did kill her. What? And that she wanted it. And I can't remember word for word of what all he said. I just know that I was sitting there in shock. I was sick to my stomach and just wanted to get out of there. So after a while of him saying all this crazy off the wall stuff, I'm just like, I gotta go. Are you just like, oh, okay. I'm just looking at him and I'm like, I'm just looking at him and I'm not really believing anything he's saying. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I'm like, I don't believe you. I don't. I said, you're making this up. And he would, he was like, no. And But a part of me wants to believe that he, when he drank, he wanted to intimidate people because that's the persona he would put off. Right. Yeah. So I always wondered if that's just what it was. He was just feeding off of this and playing a game with everybody. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You would have to know him to understand where I'm coming from on this. And I just make an excuse to get out of there. I meet up with the investigators. I give them the recorder and I'm like, yeah. I just need to be left alone for a little while. Just leave me alone. Come to find out the recording didn't take. <gasps> oh, now, no. Yes. And so now they want to talk me into having to take recorder in my car with him in my car. So again, I do this because he calls me late at night, wanting me to come pick him up from a bar. And I do it. And 
So I start asking questions this time. And again, I could not tell you what all was said because this is so many years ago, but he's sitting there saying he did it. And it was just crazy. And I was scared. And I'm thinking in my head, I've watched too many police shows. Okay. So they can arrest him now. I'm like trying to get him out of my car so they can arrest him and this can all be over with. And that's not the way it works. (laughs) Do the police at any time give you any advice on what to say and are they trailing you to make sure that you don't get murdered yes they are trailing me and they're calling me on my cell phone I was pretending I was talking to my dad oh okay and they would tell me ask this ask that or pull into such and such kind of thing and it was a long night I had to go sit with a woman so she could transcribe everything that he had said. I'm glad to hear that the police were trailing you because this feels very, it could have gone very wrong. Who are you to just sit in a car and have to ask these questions and get a confession recorded? And now you're probably wondering, is the recording even working? Because it didn't work the last time. Yes, I was just ready to get all the over with and it was stressful and I was panicking and I had to go into the police department, I think, for a couple of days straight because they needed to transcribe everything he was saying. It was embarrassing because I had to go through some of the stuff he was saying to me about our personal life and stuff. And so after all this happens and everything, I happened to be at home and I was watching the movie Mystic River. Have y'all seen that movie? No. Yes. Yeah. That's good. Okay. You know how she's convinced that her husband did that? Yeah. And he really didn't do it. And then he ends up, okay. That's how I saw that movie. And I was like, is that a sign from God? What am I doing? And I felt guilt just come over me. And I'm like, oh, they had me convinced that he really did this and they needed to get him. And so I confessed to him everything I did. And I just let him know. I was like, I've been recording our phone calls. There was a recorder in the car that night. I told him everything. Oh, no. I did. And he didn't seem so upset with me, but his family was viciously mad. And I'm sure if it was my family, maybe I would feel the same way. I don't know. It was a mess. So I packed all my stuff up and I moved to Tennessee. I just left the state of Georgia and moved to Tennessee. I had a friend that lived out there and was like, you need to get away from that mess. Come up here, get a good job, start your life over. And I was like, good idea. Yeah. And I did. I lived up there for, I think it was like a year and a half, almost two years. I was doing great. I had a great job. I lived in a condo on the top of a mountain. I had a new car. I was living life and it was great. And he weaseled his way back in and mm-hmm. I missed him dearly for some God awful reason. So was he arrested in this time? No. For that? No. Mm-mm. Wow. He was arrested for being drunk again, as you Right. <laughs> he was arrested for probably more DUIs and violation of probation and stuff like that but for the murder no he was not arrested for it at that time I did receive a phone call I was living in Tennessee that while he was in jail for a violation of probation they came in and the FBI did a lie detector test on him and it wasn't the typical lie detector test that you hook up to check your heart rate and stuff it was a voice detection lie detector test. And so they did that on him and he felt it. Wow. So yeah. And I was like, so I started Googling how good are these lie detector tests and stuff. And they were like, they don't like to use them in courts. They're not always that accurate, yada. And you know, and I, I did love him at that time and I missed him and he wanted to come up and see me and he did. And he created a lot of problems while he was there. And I ended up moving back to Georgia with him. What did you tell your kids at the time? My son didn't know anything about it. Didn't have any clue about it. My daughter knew bits and pieces. I tried to keep as much away from her as possible. But she was, I think she was 10 or 11 at that time. She she started wet in the bed for a little while. And I was like, I wonder if it was because of the stress and everything yeah plus I was so distraught because he and I our relationship at this time and this is before I left to go to Tennessee and I just quit talking about it if she was present at all yeah and tried to keep that part out of her life but I was not the perfect mother I made a lot of mistakes along the way she brings stuff up to me that she remembers and she talks about it she definitely points out where I made mistakes And but you moved back with him. Mm-hmm. Are people just like, Julie, you're crazy. My mom, she was like, I can't believe you're taking him back and coming back. She was really the only person that voiced it out of my family. A few of my friends said stuff and his family wasn't happy that he got back with me, but they got over it and we worked through it and everything. 
one of his sisters I was super, super close to. She was like one of my best friends. And his family was like my family, especially when you're married to somebody so long. I believe I loved his family probably more than I loved him. That's one thing that hit my daughter hard was when all this came to a head, losing family. Yeah, that's hard. Did his family try to keep a relationship with her or no? After everything was said and done, no. And they said some really ugly stuff to her. And it was because she was taking my side on Uh, it because his family blamed me for him going to jail for this. Right. Because I talked to the police. I went along with what they asked me to do and stuff. And they blamed it on me. So everything dies down. We don't hear anything about it. Our lives go on for a while. It gets better, but then he's still in and out of jail for the same old stuff. 2010, the police are coming around again. They seem to find my phone number every time I change it. (laughs) I felt like they were keeping tabs on me. So they called me in and asked if they could talk to me. And I straight up told my husband, I was like, you know, they contacted me. They want to talk to me. How are you feeling about it? He goes, go up there. I want to know what they're saying. And I was like, okay. So I went and I talked to them and they told me that for me to tell him that they wanted to offer him a plea deal if he would just turn himself in and a plea deal. Like really what evidence do y'all have? Uh, What? Yeah. Y'all are going to have to give me something more because now I just don't believe that. And I didn't want to believe. And to this day, I still have tons of questions that are never going to get answered. And they were like, once he's indicted, we'll be able to tell you everything you want to know. And I'm like, I don't know what else to say. There's nothing else I can say. And they said, we just want you to do one more thing for us. And the FBI wants to do an FBI profile on him. They want to do it questioning you. What is an FBI profile? It's where they ask me tons and tons of questions about him all through his, out his whole life. You know, what I know about his childhood, about our marriage, even questions to how he treats animals. And most sociopaths and serial killers and stuff like that are really not animal lovers. Mm -hmm. They usually start harming animals before it goes to people. He was not that type of person. He loved animals more than he loved people. Like Mm -hmm. he was a huge animal lover. And so I was like, sure, I'll do it. Honestly, with all my answers, I thought it was going to turn out great. No. So from this profile, which I never did get to read, I was just told that sounds like the profile that would fit the killer. It was just one thing after another. And this is 2010. We don't hear anything else. Nothing else after that until 2014. And in 2014, things had changed a lot for us. We had been through more cheating. We had been through a lot of headaches, a lot of pain. At this time, I had been diagnosed with cancer. That was a scary thing for me. And he was not there for me. I think it was right after I found out that something was wrong and I could possibly be sick. He got arrested for a DUI. Oh, jeez. Yes. And I flat out told him, I'm done. That is it. Yeah, I have been here for you through everything. Mm-hmm. At one time, we even sold everything we owned and moved to California to put him in a rehab. Oh, wow. And yeah, and he lasted in that rehab, I think three weeks before he quit. And he had been in other rehabs too and stuff. And it, it was just, it was just a horrible, rocky marriage from the get go. By this time, I was tired. I was stressed. I was tired. I was over it. And I was ready to move on. And I was probably in the darkest place of my life. So I had all the testing done. I found out I had cancer. I went through two surgeries with that. I went through treatments and he was not there for any of it. He was in jail. Did he um, care? Was he concerned about you? Of course, when he's in jail and he's talking on the phone, of course he sounds concerned. Mm -hmm. Of course he's going to change. It was the same conversation I had every time for the last 12 years. At this time, I just didn't care. I just did not care. My daughter was grown by now. She was a senior in high school. And I had always told her that I was waiting until she graduated high school. And then I was leaving him. Yeah. And so I think she would have been fine if I would have left a lot sooner. But I was, you know, and at that time, Facebook was a big thing and stuff. And I had met somebody on Facebook that was a, a great person for me to talk to, Someone that I could confide in, that I became friends with, and I started hanging out with. And we talked on the phone for months before I was even able to carry on with a normal life because I was in the bed for a long time with depression and being sick with the cancer and the treatment and stuff and the surgeries. And so I confided in this person and we started hanging out and we developed feelings and I think I was just in a bad place. And so I was looking for somebody to latch on to. When he got out of jail, he got out of jail on our anniversary. I think it was our 10th anniversary. 
He got out of jail like the day before. And I'm like, I don't want this marriage to work. I say, but I'm going to give you one chance this weekend. We'll see how things go. I said, but I'm ready to end things. So we spent the weekend together. At a, it was awkward. Neither one of us really spoke to each other that much. And my mind was somewhere else. And I guess his was too. And so the next day, it was his son's birthday. And we went and got him a weight bench for his birthday because he was turning 13. And my ex-husband, he was into bodybuilding. He wanted his son to be the same. And we went over there and we dropped it off. And the mother of his son is the one I told you that I stayed friends with. And she and I were hanging out and everything. And we were talking and we decided to leave and go hang out and let him spend time with his son. And the stepdad was there too. And when we got back, he was drunk. He was so drunk. And I was like, you can't even spend one day with your son without getting drunk. You've been out of jail for three days. Uh. And so we get in the car to leave. And on the way home, he tells me he doesn't want to be with me anymore either. That he doesn't want to be with somebody that's sick. He doesn't feel like dealing with that. What? Like like, after everything that you did? Yep. I said, it sounds good. I said, sounds good. So I called my stepson's mother and I told her, I said, can Marley come stay with you for a few days so I can get things figured out? She's like, absolutely. And like I said, my daughter was a senior in high school. And so she went and stayed with her for a few days. I packed the bag and I went and stayed with the person that I had been talking to. And I ended up getting really sick. My levels were way off and stuff. And I came home for a day. I went and picked my daughter up and we went home and I walked in the house and I looked at him. He was sober when I looked at him. I said, I don't feel good. I'm sick. I'm going to bed. Do not come in our room. Do not talk to me. At I'm not here. And so the next day I woke up, my daughter was at school and everything. And I went into the living room and I looked throughout the house and he was nowhere to be found. And I was like, that's weird. And I found his wallet and cell phone on the table, but he was nowhere to be found. Come to find out while I was asleep at night, he had went to jail. Oh, How does that happen? Like he was out and got arrested and went to jail? No, he had gotten into it with our neighbor and the neighbor oh. called the police on him and he got arrested. Oh, jeez. My God. Yes. They must have just had like a permanent cell for him. Like every time he came back. Yes. And they knew him so well there. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> so a few more months go by and the police contact me. And they let me know that things are fixing to start moving and things are going to happen and want to know if I can come in and talk to them. And at this time I was avoiding trying to come in and talk to them. Like I just didn't want to, but I did go in and he's like, I just wanted to let you know up front, things are going to start moving ahead. And I want you to prepare yourself and get ready. And I was like, what does that mean? And they're like, the time has come. And they're like, it's going to go before the grand jury. And we're going to see if we can get an indictment for him. And I was like, okay. I really didn't think anything else about it. Because this has went on my whole marriage. It had been 14 years since the murder. I'm just like, whatever. I don't believe anything anybody says anymore. And I was supposed to go to the police department. I I think it was a Tuesday at 1030 in the morning. And I called and I was like, can I come later today? I have things to do. And my daughter's graduating this week. She has senior stuff. And he was like, yeah, he was like, I'm going to call you in about an hour because I need to talk to you. And before he could call me back, my husband had been indicted. It was all over the news. And I was so upset and so distraught because my daughter was graduating high school in two days. Everybody knew who her dad was. And I threw a fit. I was like, y'all couldn't have waited two days. You can have waited two more days. I got a lot. I've got a lot of heat for that, for saying that on my YouTube channel that I was being selfish for saying that. And I was like, no, he was already in jail. He was already sitting in jail. They could have waited two days to announce that indictment. The victim had been gone for 14 years at this point. Yes, she needs to get her justice, but two days wouldn't have hurt anybody. Yeah. So that happened and I was upset. I took my anger out, you know, on the police and stuff. And I just felt like at the moment, I guess I felt like I needed to be there for him because I'd always been there for him. I did go for a visitation. We did talk. First time I'd ever seen him cry. And he broke down and cried and said, I did not, he said, I didn't do this. And even though he admitted to it, even though he failed the FBI thing, he, he broke down and cried and he said he didn't do it. And he's not the type of person to cry, period. And so from there, I went straight to the police department and I was like, you told me you would give me any answer I wanted after you indicted him. So it's time for you to answer my questions. Yeah. So he pulled me in a room and there's a sketch of him. And they had asked me if I thought he looked like the sketch. And I said, no, absolutely not. My husband was drop dead gorgeous when he was in his yeah. 20s. And the sketch, chunkier 
version of him like maybe it favored him now because we're 14 years later but it did not look like him at all when he was in his 20s and so I was like my question for you is the person that gave you the description for that sketch was he ever put in a lineup was my husband ever put in a lineup for that person to pick my husband out of a lineup and he said yes Sam was put in a lineup for that person to pick him out of a lineup. I said, did that person pick my husband in that lineup? They said, no. I said, that's all I need to know. I'm out. I would not testify against him in court. The reason I continued to stay married to him until after the trial was because if you were married, you you cannot testify against him and they could not use anything I had said in the past against him. But his family didn't think about that. They didn't think about why I was still married to him, even though I tried to explain it. They didn't think about, they couldn't use any of that stuff that I had said before and that I was doing this so I wouldn't be brought into it. They would have to use whatever they had without me because I didn't want to be the reason someone went to prison if they didn't do it. Because I still had tons of questions because the type of person he was, yes, when he drank, He was a completely different person. He was a horrible person. He was a monster when he drank. Mm -hmm. When he was sober, he was the nicest person you would ever meet. And he did not like confrontation at all. Um, Like if I was to raise my voice in Walmart, he'd walk off because he just doesn't like confrontation. He doesn't like attention drawn to him. He was a very quiet person and he drank. I feel like he drank to open up, to be fun, you know, relaxed kind of thing, but it made him a different person. Like I could tell a change in his demeanor after one or two beers. I could look at him and tell he had been drinking just after one or two. Wow. He just had this void look in his eyes and just completely different. And when he drinks also, like automatically his motor skills are off it was almost like he was allergic to alcohol or something you know what I'm saying because yeah so quick he he drank his whole life but so quickly it changed the person he was so to myself the whole story was she was supposedly abducted from our Walmart parking lot she was pushed into a vehicle and she was kidnapped from that parking lot and then she was killed from there so I'm trying to visualize my husband doing that and it was hard for me because First of all, I'm like, he doesn't like confrontation, but if he did it while he was drunk, yeah, I could probably see him doing something crazy like that when he was drunk. With his motor skills, could he get away with something that long? I feel like it would have been extra messy, like evidence would have been found, that kind of thing. Right. When it went to court, there was no murder weapon. There was no DNA and there was no truck because they they were after a red Nissan truck and they swore that his uncle owned one at that time, but they never found it. And so there was nothing to tie him to it. They really didn't have any real evidence other than the things I had said. And a lot of other people had come forward and said that he told them. It wasn't just me. They had, they had boxes and boxes and boxes of stuff where people had come in and said that he had told them stuff, you know, so it wasn't just me, but he was offered that plea deal. He was offered a plea deal of 10 years for involuntary manslaughter. How do you go from murder to involuntary manslaughter? Because there's no way what happened to that girl was an accident. No way. Yeah. So I asked the DA after everything was said and done, I was like, how did you give him that plea deal? That's what makes me think you had nothing. And he was like, because you weren't going to testify, a lot of the other witnesses that had testified on paper retracted their statements and didn't want to be a part of it. Why did they not want to be part of it? I don't know. I guess maybe they decided they didn't because I don't know. I know some of the people that had came forward, but I don't know a lot of them. It was people from when his past when right. he was younger, people that he thought were his friends and stuff and drunk. He just thought he was really badass and he could conquer the world and he wanted to intimidate everybody and let everybody to think he was the biggest strongest everything and that's the kind of vibe he gave off when he was drinking but honestly I could or could not tell you if he did it or not I couldn't wow and so even to this day you don't know I don't know I just think you know? why would somebody admit or like confess over and true. over that's true but you hear it happening and like you said if he wanted to have a certain persona about him like that he was a tough guy or that he was whatever he could be telling people that he did this when he's drunk when he's not in the right state of mind when he didn't right like just to put off that don't mess with me persona exactly did he take the plea deal 
He did take the plea deal. And I asked him why. I only went to one court hearing. There was several. I only went to one. And I didn't want to listen to it. After I sat in there, I just didn't want to listen to anything else because the investigator flat out said while I was in the courtroom, he was not the number one suspect until his wife came forward. (gasps) Even though other people had said that. Yes. And so my heart kind of sunk. And then I felt like all this was my fault. And so... I, I just didn't want to hear anymore. And then when I heard he was taking the plea deal, because I would still go visit from time to time at this time, but I was trying to move on with my life. And I would still accept some phone calls. He never once told me he was taking the plea deal. And after he did it, I asked him, I said, if you did not do that, why in the heck would you take the plea deal? Yeah. yeah. And instead of going to trial, he's like taking a plea deal for 10 years is better than going to prison for life. Oh my God. Yeah, they must have felt like they had enough against him that it wouldn't go well with a trial. I tried to explain to him. I was like, they don't have a murder weapon. They don't have DNA and they don't have a truck. So what could they possibly use against you other than you idiots telling all these people you did it and he was like I'm just taking the plea deal but we're gonna get to where he is in life today and this is where when he went to jail there was still a lot there for me to process and and I felt bad at first as time has went on I feel like if he did do it he's gonna answer for it one day with God and and that's gonna be his issue yeah if he didn't do it then he was sitting in there giving himself time to think of all the horrible things he's done in his life to get himself back on track, to stop drinking and to make a difference in his life. Because one of two things will happen in prison. You're going to change for the better or you're going to change for the worse. Yeah, that's fair. He only had to spend five years in prison, only five years. He got out two years ago and this is where it gets even better. My sister that I've mentioned, we both have granddaughters. And my niece, I love her to death. She has been with this wonderful guy for many years. She's been with this guy since she was 15. They had a daughter together two years ago. And I've known this guy since he was a little bitty tyke. He was about four years old. And he's also been my son's best friend since he was like four. Oh, wow. So my niece's fiance has been in our family for a long time. And we love him to death. His mother, however, is who my ex-husband is with. What? Yes. And I believe they're married. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but they had put on social media that they were married. So that would make him the grandfather of my grandchild and the step grandfather of my sister's grandchild. Oh my God. Oh my God. Does he, did he know that? Yes. And I felt like he did it on purpose. I got really angry with my family and my sister and my niece and everybody, because we were all at the hospital for my great niece's birth. Everybody knew that he was getting out of prison in two days, but me, everybody knew. Oh no! Nobody told me. I am a manager at a financial company and one of my customers had came in and said, so have you seen Sam? And I was like, what? No, he's he's in prison. And she was like, no, he got out a few days ago. And I was like, oh my goodness. And I just got sick, sick feeling just came over me because I had finally had all that out of my life. I was starting to heal. I was doing better. And lo and behold, he showed up at my job. No. And my coworker said, she's, are you okay? Your face just went really white. It looks like you've seen a ghost. And I was like, I did. Oh, he showed up at my job a couple of times, actually. He came in and he asked me how I was doing and held his hand out. And I was just, and I couldn't really even speak because I was just in shock. And he flat out told me, he was like, you're my soulmate. He's I'll be back for you. So that kind of gave me the creeps. (laughs) But he started, he he had my phone number from when he was in prison because I had the same phone number forever. And he started calling my phone. He would call my job. So I would get in touch with the woman he's with now. And I'd be like, look, you got to stop it either stop it or I'm going to take out a restraining order and he ended up going back to jail oh no 400 and something days yes for meth and cocaine so he did not use his time in jail to get better no he did not and he never did drugs before so now he's doing drugs and he spent 400 and something days in there he got out he went to a rehab for 30 days he was out for a few months and he's back in jail another charge for meth and violation of parole because he's on parole now. So no, he hasn't learned his lesson. No. 
Do you just feel, is it so crazy? Cause now you're in this good, healthy relationship. You've got your kids to look back. Just feels like a whole other lifetime. It seems like a bad dream. Yeah. And I'm sure everybody's wondering how I have five kids and I've only talked about two through this podcast. My husband now, I've been married a couple of times. He has three kids. Their mother abandoned them when they were young and she had a drug problem herself. So he and I related on that when we got together with being with addicts. And so I became their full-time mom when we got together and I've been raising them for the last seven years. And they've been a huge blessing and they look at me as their mom. And a lot of people wonder before they go into adoption or anything, are you going to love a child that's not biologically yours as much as you would a biological child? Absolutely. There's no difference between the children I birthed and the children I did not birth I love them all the same and that's so nice my life has been nothing but a huge blessing and I hear a lot of people say that you can manifest things into your life and I used to always say from the time I was young I just wanted a good husband I wanted to be a mom that's what I wanted my whole life to be a mom I wanted lots of kids and I wanted to be a mom and I wanted a good husband I wanted a boring life. And when I say boring life, like where have family dinners together at the table, we both go to work, we both come home, we both contribute to the household. We enjoy doing our grocery shopping together and those kind of things. I wanted that. And that came into my life and I couldn't be more blessed. And I just thank God every day for my new life. And maybe you needed all that chaos to be able to really appreciate the boring. (laughs) Definitely. It's been a wild ride. Yeah. That is really wild. Definitely. I'm so thankful that you reached out and that you were ready to tell your story on our podcast. We appreciate it so much. I thank y'all for having me. It's been great. I hope that people can hear this story and think, yeah, I'm not the only one that went through a crazy relationship (laughs) and made it out on the other end. Definitely. Or maybe it's an indicator. The red flags are there. It's okay to leave. Yeah, yes. exactly. Yes. I'm just so, it's so fascinating to me, the dateline aspect of it, the recordings, the interrogations, the, all of that stuff. And interesting kind of about how you maybe felt a little bit manipulated by the police, by them trying to get you on their side when there wasn't really a lot of evidence and not a lot of things pointing to him. So it's yeah. interesting. Definitely. Yeah. My gosh, Julie, thank you so much. Yes. Thank you. I hope that you felt good about telling your story and that you get to enjoy a nice, boring, quiet Mother's Day. Yeah. <laughs> Thank y'all so much. And I hope y'all have a great Mother's Day as well. Y'all Thank have a great you. afternoon. You too. Thank we'll you. talk to you soon. All right. Thank All you. Right. Bye. Bye. Hey, Michelle. Hey, Carling. My goodness. My voice. We've done two interviews today. Plus this intro outro. And I made you move a big freaking piece of furniture. I know. It's like my voice gets worse if I exert myself. Oh my goodness. What? I did see a TikTok where this girl had COVID and she lost her voice. Like she couldn't do anything above a whisper. <gasps> like f- like semi-permanently. That would be awful. See? Yeah. So. How could I yell at my children? Yeah. You'd, we'd, well, we'd just get you like a cymbal. Or, or like a gong. Yeah. Something <laughs> that just made a lot of noise. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. That episode was wild. That was wild. That was, I'm still not sure. I know. I still can't. Cause I think I'm like Julie where I'm like, no, he, no, I don't think he did it. Yeah. But then I'm kind of like, but maybe he did do it. This is why we're not in law enforcement. Honestly, the more I do my job, which is at the bank, I do a lot of investigating and I do a lot of digging into things. I should have been a, a detective. I really think I should have been. I think I can be swayed too easily okay. with charm. Right. Should I be... That has been proven. I couldn't be... If there was like a, le- a good looking lesbian yeah. committing a crime, I could be charmed into getting them out of the situation. Okay. Okay. But I'm also so skeptical that I assume everybody's lying. Yeah. And so maybe some innocent people would go to jail because I'd be like, you are full of it. That's why my motto is literally trust no one. Yeah. Like, I don't trust anybody. Not even me? No, I trust you, of course. Oh, okay. But just when people tell you stories and it's, you're giving me too much detail. Or maybe you're mm. not giving me enough detail. And it's, What's your angle here? Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's fishy. Yeah. Especially because working at the bank, there's so many, like, scams and things yep. like that. And unfortunately, the people who come in to take out money to quote unquote, pay back the government right, or help Bitcoin. a celebrity yeah. or they've been told to lie to us about what the money's for. Right. So then you 
also don't trust even the customer. Yeah. If they're like, oh, I'm buying a car. You're like, oh, are you? Show me the car. Show me a selfie Bring with me it. there right now. Yeah. <laughs> Sir, I will get in this car with you. We're going to go check this thing out. Yeah, absolutely. So I, it makes for, it tricky. I got a call the other day and it was like, this is... Your, was it like border? Was no, it, border it was Visa. Or? Okay. And I don't have a Visa card. And it was like, this is Visa. And we're just confirming that you just made a purchase for yeah. $400. Yeah. Da, 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 da. And because they, they want to scare you into being like, I didn't make that purchase. Yes. So I was like in a mood, okay. as I often am. Uh-huh. And I, it said, click one if this was you. Okay. And to disregard this message or click two to be connected to a representative at the visa center. Okay. So first I clicked one and then it just replayed the message. Uh. So then I clicked two and it was somebody who sounded like maybe English was their second language. But their name was like Chad or something. Yeah. yeah. Jared. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, hi, Jared. Yeah. I just got this call saying this charge went through And he said, oh, yeah, and you didn't do it? And I said, no, I just want to confirm I did make that purchase. That was me. And he hung up. Oh. I was ready to play the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw a TikTok of a guy who had somehow hacked into the call center. And when this woman called him and used her fake name, he answered, oh, hi, Priya or something yeah, like that and she real freaked name. out yeah and he was talking about what she was wearing and all this stuff and everyone is like coming from but it just makes me so mad because there's this room full of people who are yeah that's their job yeah is to scam people out of their money oh it's awful it's not great no it's not great it's not great trust no one Tr- yeah. <laughs> except maybe your best friend trust no one that calls you on the phone yeah nobody with good intentions will call you on the phone i hope everybody enjoyed this episode yeah and i hope everyone has a great week i do too yeah oh yeah you're not the only and- one <laughs> <laughs> and follow us on social media yeah because then you get to see the amazing content like me putting that cry face filter on you Oh, that was horrific. It is my favorite thing. Oh my gosh. Yeah, no, you get to see a lot of behind the scenes shenanigans on our socials. So we're on TikTok. Yeah. We Instagram. are on Instagram, Facebook. I mean, That's about it. Patreon. Well, listen, we're on LinkedIn. We are on LinkedIn. If you're a professional and you want if you would to, like to link with us, then. <laughs> and if there. you're interested in watching our wet your whistle wednesdays or your wet wednesdays <laughs> <laughs> then definitely head over to the patreon absolutely because it is gonna be a, a hoot nanny i was gonna say a wet whistling good time oh it's gonna be a wet time yeah <laughs> all right we will talk to everybody next week okay bye bye